Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. The following is a presentation of the Four Center podcast feed. From the center of the galaxy, this is a Four Center podcast feed. I'm Ken Napsack. And I'm Joseph Scrimshaw, and this is one of our News and Cues episode news, because we're going to talk about Star Wars news and cues, because we are too lazy to say the word questions. That's the way I'm <laughs> taking it. News and cues, Ken. I'm excited for both. You know, what I... Uh... When I moved to Los Angeles 23 years ago now, I, I thought I had a pretty good vocabulary. I have lost words <laughs> over the time. Uh, a lot of it was the, the work environment I was in and then uh, 
posting, you know, shortening words, being hip, like saying cues. Nah, I just don't know words. It's, it's a problem. It's, it's fun problem. to say. I joke, I joke, but started started saying news and cues because it, it sounds exciting, right? It sounds like yeah. a, a great team up. It's like some uh, Stanley superheroes that didn't quite take off. This is the crime fighting duo news and cues. That was, uh, yeah, 74, right? It came out in 74. <laughs> yep. Two issues. Uh, before we get into the news and those questions, we're going to remind you that today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash force center. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. As always, a little bit later on, our force center recommends an audiobook we think you should, should try out on us. Star Wars or Life Adventures. There's always a lot going on in the world, a lot going on in our lives. Uh, sometimes you just want a, a moment to sit under a tree and cry, or sometimes you just want to uh, pour whiskey and play a video game. Joseph, you've done any of those recently, and how's your life going? Uh, I have done most of those. I'll just let it be a mystery uh, for the listeners, which of those three I've done this week. But no, I had a pretty good week uh, overall. Obviously, the world is extremely challenging, uh, but I've had had some, uh, some good things, some fun things. I'm working on a writing project that I'm really enjoying. And that always uh, really uh, refreshes me and makes me feel like I am holding on to the reins of my life. I am creating a new world. Yay. And still, you know, challenging and weird. But so that's really fun. Uh, is a very positive thing for both Star Wars and life adventure. Uh, my wife and I uh, just needed to get out of the house uh, and we were going to go for a, to a, for a drive somewhere. Uh, mm. But, you know, uh, the you know, it, you got to be choosy about where you're going because sometimes you just go there and like, cool. Now I'm just at a place in Los Angeles that is far away from any public restroom. Cool. Why did I do this? <laughs> um, so anyway, long story short, we wanted to go to a drive somewhere. There's a, a big uh, side of a building that is the Disney billboard. And it's always whatever the next big Disney thing is. It's, you know, often uh, MCU movies for, uh, for a while. There it was that Christopher Robin movie. Uh, starring Ewan McGregor, which I love so much. Uh, and uh, the Mando season two billboard is up and it's just beautiful. And normally I would be driving back and forth uh, to pick up my wife at her work because she works down that way uh, in Beverly Hills. Uh, so we just drove past a billboard to drive past a billboard and did a couple loops so I could take a photo and then one so I could just look at it. And it's great. It's just it yeah. is just the Mandalorian. It's he's walking across, you know, a, a strange world. There's a little bit of a pond, look rocks, maybe some snowy rocks. He's got, uh, you know, a blaster in one hand and the child on the other hip and the pulse rifle on his back. He's got everything he needs for adventure. And it's very exciting. Season two, the return of the pulse rifle. Exactly. I, so I'm so curious if it just pops up or if he's like, got it back from repairs. I sent it away <laughs> in the space mail. There it is. It was in the pulse rifle shop. That's good. I love a, I love a random just rambling drive through the city because I, I do love living in, in Los Angeles. I really do. So, you know, sometimes it's where you go. But 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 I'm like, yeah, you're right. Uh, sometimes my, my the border of my drive is time to turn around and, and head home to safety. <laughs> <laughs> it is. Yeah, because you can get stuck in traffic in Los Angeles. And, you know, back in the olden days, they, everything was open. So anyway. Don't need to belabor that. The point was it was a really fun uh, trip to just go be a Star Wars fan, you know, um, and just to have like the nerdy fun of I'm so looking forward to the show. I so love these characters. Look, they're on a building. Look at how huge they are. 
Yeah. Big giant. And yeah. season two's kind of big. And we're going to talk about some season two news that dropped uh, before we recorded. Uh, so we'll get to that in a second there. Yeah, but how about uh, you? What were your life indoor Star Wars adventures? You know, after a tough couple of weeks, uh, I mean, it just like, I think everyone just, everything just, I was the one crying under a fig tree. Uh, it's been, uh, I, I finally got to go back to the stage again with Mark Riley for the, the uh, Riley's Cantina Live, which your video was a big hit. Awesome. Uh, they, uh, open tweets. Uh, Jennifer Landa's uh, contribution with a, one of her great TikTok videos. Uh, just a lot of fun to put uh, silly uh, Star Wars content out there or, uh, you know, uh, high concept Star Wars. Con- we did it all. Uh, and you guys, uh, you being Jennifer and Joseph, uh, you're Joseph. Um, <laughs> uh, you guys. You really helped make the show just a, a round, uh, a rounded out uh, what we were presenting. But it was a lot of work, as you know. Uh, you know, you're you're a theater uh, theater company owner. Yes, sir. <laughs> You'll appreciate this. We got we did the walkthrough on Tuesday. By appreciate, I mean I hate to cause you anxiety. We did the walkthrough on Tuesday. Is everything ready? Oh, great! Yeah, you guys can shoot at the bar. This and that. Great. We we got there Saturday. Uh, uh, the person who had done the walkthrough, not only not there, hadn't told anyone. <laughs> Oh, wow. It was a full-on brunch. And I am more getting more and more comfortable of emerging into the world with some safety precautions. You know, it's just, it is what it is. And and we know some people have lost family members to, to COVID and everything. So I take it very seriously. But I'm also getting in the, all right, I can, my boundaries of that are stretching. But it was a walked in to go to the miniature in the middle of a 1970s themed disco brunch. And I was like, this is not a great start to the day. We got through it. The sound crew, the production crew was great. And then the Wanger boys, uh, Cody, Brian, and, and Christian really made the show possible. And I'll just say, it, it, it's like a Star Wars lesson. Uh, there's obstacles in front of you. Things are going to fall apart. It's not going to go as planned. But in the end, you're going to be where you need to be. The force will guide you. So we had a great show. And it was a lot of fun. And thanks to anyone uh, listening who watched. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure many listeners uh, watched it. It sounded like there was like just great reception of watching the show at home. So that's great. I'm glad the show went well. But yeah, but it, the venue was having brunch inside on their patio. Okay, uh, but a, a tiny spot. Um, so a lot of people, as we were trying to set up very expensive camera equipment with cables to go live, you know, we're shooting from two locations live. A lot of drunk people in seventies disco costumes walking past our lighting gear and cameras. Yes. Uh, while we're setting up. So it was one of those tents like, uh, uh, and you're trying to be nice. You don't want to be the jerk. You want to be, you don't want to be the get out of the, the, you know, it's one bathroom in spot. So a lot of people passing with no masks and, uh, we're okay. We're okay. We're okay. Uh, yes. I hope so. I hope so. Yeah. It's a, it's such a hard time right now that we do, we do need to find the new normal, but we also need to listen to science. <laughs> yes. Uh, yes. And, and I, I certainly would be concerned that, uh, <laughs> uh, drunk people dressing up from the 70s might not be listening to science that would make me nervous so i'm glad that the show went off i'm glad yeah. that it was all okay yeah so luckily uh to uh hanson dam for testing i'll go soon uh but other than that it was great and i took yesterday off other than preparing some star uh, four center news for us uh just one of those <laughs> sitting on a couch days it was great that's awesome we all need <laughs> sitting on the couch days <laughs> We do indeed. We do indeed. You know who's not sitting on a couch? Hey, transition into the Star Wars news. The Mandalorian is ready. Season two is just a few days away. Really, really uh, days away. We're getting there, kids. It's it's getting uh, inside two weeks here now. Uh, we got just about uh, as we we're about to record. We got a little uh, 
little collection of, of Mandalorian uh, bits of information. Uh, we got four character posters. Uh, this is showing what I, you know, safe to call kind of the main characters, especially going into season two. Grief Karga, Cara Dune, uh, the Mandalorian, and the child. And one of them are adorable little paintings of the child <laughs> I've ever seen. Just looking up at the camera, just all like, Meh. What do you think about these photos? Oh, I like them. They're great. I think the thing that is most intriguing to me is the background. I mean, the characters are great. The mood of the characters are great. Uh, great to see the close-up of the Mudhorn insignia. I get not the close-up, but it's just really prominent. Uh, his shoulders kind of turned, and it's catching the light on the uh, on the Mando. There uh, it looks like Cara Dune is. Uh, looks like uh, the character of Cara Dune might be under a fig tree, having a hard time. <laughs> <laughs> There's some emotion there. Uh, Grief Karga looks badass. The child looks a little like he is uh, posing for a royal uh, portrait and getting bored. All sorts of great moods and great energy. But that background, this is something that I noticed in the trailer that I really liked. That looks like one of the scenes uh, was in this kind of dark, abandoned urban area that had mm -hmm. graffiti. And we've seen graffiti in Star Wars before. Like we've seen uh, Sabine in particular, right? tag things yeah. on on purpose and that you know is a real sort of defiant statement of you know we are here we are uh, the rebellion we are flowing and organic but we haven't seen to my recollection a really like highly tagged area like you would see mm -hmm. in an actual you know real life uh, urban environment on earth and i'm i've spent a bunch of time looking at some of these drawings it looks like behind mando there's maybe like a kind of a spray painted Gamorian guard, uh, a little bit of a chalk Gamorian guard in a, in a rebel insignia starboard behind Cara Dune. Uh, I'm not even sure what, there's a, an interesting face behind grief cargo, but I honestly can't make out exactly. It looks a little like a creature from the black lagoon, but I don't think it's that. Uh, but then right. the child, it looks like there's these really crude, uh, shaky, sketchy, almost looks like Tuscan Raider faces. Mm. Um, so I'm just really intrigued by that. I'm, if it's nothing more than just a passing environment, it's a really cool addition to Star Wars lore and a great meeting of like a real world Earth thing, but from a Star Wars style. You know, you got the different aliens and you got the Orabesh, and it looks like maybe some, uh, like this one thing behind the child looks a little like a, a symbol uh, that I've seen associated with Mandalore and Mandalorians mm -hmm. before. So, all sorts of great, juicy stuff in the background. Yeah. That, those are my thoughts. I love looking at that, and and it, yeah, not you know, are you looking for clues? Yeah, you can't help, you know. It, but I I just like what you're suggesting that this could just be part of the landscape and the environment that they're in, and and that would be slightly uh, slightly different, not just uh, for background, but just uh, working around uh, the Star Wars galaxy. You know, Tatooine is a little rough spot too, but just uh, you know, not that it's coarsened in a, a deeper level. I, obviously, not saying that, but just like. Um, uh, who you will meet and this this would if there's a secret fighting league <laughs> this might be the type of area exactly uh, yeah yeah and i don't think i'm looking know. for any narrative clues i think it's just yeah. world building clues right mm -hmm. oh, oh yeah totally no i i'm with you there i think uh there would have been a time that the we got like these two tuscan raiders behind them the, the the child we would have assumed that that was uh, two new characters uh, that were going to show up in episode four his parents uh, his parents are there confirmed to be tuscan raiders and you're so right about that that child picture. He definitely looks like a 19th century French aristocrat. <laughs> I was going to say aristocrat, like the movie. A little bit, yeah. Uh, that's it's amazing. I mean, that one needs to be. It does need to be framed in on a wall. 
Oh yeah. It's a, it's a great God, this character. I, we did the main deep dive on the child last week. If you guys uh, listen, if you haven't given a clue, I just, I just, this, this character just doesn't disappoint. Never. <laughs> I may see him every time. It's like, it's another picture of the child. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. Um, you know, the character posters are what they are. Uh, they're fun things to get you hyped up, but there's a couple other things. We've got a little, uh, and again, at the time of recording, we always joke, and I'm sure this will be the case. A full-blown trailer could drop two minutes after our podcast drops on Tuesday morning. Just stand by. We are the harbingers of promotions to come, I guess. Uh, but we got uh, the Mandalorian official Twitter page tweeted out like a 30-second kind of little preview. No new footage except for from what we saw, Joseph, uh, an extra second or two of the Mando punching a, a, a Tweedlick in the face. <laughs> yeah, looked like it was all still kind of pulled from that uh, fighting ring uh, that we saw where the Mando was in trouble and the child hides himself. And a couple maybe little extra shots of uh, that, yeah. uh, of the, the the birdies coming for the baddies. Uh, and then a mm-hmm. good, just a great classic just punch in the face. <laughs> it's a big punch in the face. Uh, it doesn't, it's, it's like Bib and Beezer's other cousin uh, is, is one getting punched in the face. Boozer. Yeah. Boozer. That's the one. Uh, so that come that that's there to get you hype and all the stuff, you know, I, I'm, we're not predicting a trailer at all. This isn't that game, but it's just the way, the way, the way it goes for us is the case. But the big thing I, I want to talk about this one here, uh, Joseph is this came from, and I want to shout out to Alex Corey in the force center discord page who found this one. It's from uh, Star Wars Holocron on Twitter. Uh, and they tweeted out a quote from Emily Swallow. And I will say, I don't know where that came from. Um, so take that as it, uh, as, as you want there, but Emily Swallow, of course, plays the armor on uh, Mandalorian. Uh, she's on men on subject of Mandalorian season two. Sorry here. I'm scrolling to get it. There it is. Uh, the difficulty of a second season is that they, meaning the fans, have more specific expectations because they've already seen something. So I'm really hoping that fans go into it with an open mind like they did for the first season and are ready to go for the ride. So, all right. I think that echoes some stuff we've talked about here, maybe even some of our philosophies on <laughs> on how we watch. <laughs> Force Center here. Uh, But Joseph, let's dive into what this means to us as fans. Yeah, I think it's really interesting that it has a certain rhythm with uh, Giancarlo Esposito's uh, recent quote about, you know, hey, some of them, those big answers are going to come in future seasons. It's the same quote where he talked about maybe five seasons or whatever. And, you know, who knows? As we talked about then, we never know. Uh, You know, actors uh, sometimes don't have all of the information that the actual producers or writers do. So who knows? Take it with a grain of salt. I think, but it, but it, it creates this picture that there are lots of, uh, at least now two actors within the Mandalorian cast who are saying, hey, remember to just go along for the ride of what this is and don't get too hyped up for answers. Um, and that is interesting to me from the general perspective that I feel like actors are becoming so much more savvy about uh, genre material and the expectations that uh, come with that because of the intensity of fans, the, you know, the, the intensity of, of fans is, you know, a huge positive thing. It's what makes star Wars and Marvel and DC and star Trek is special as they are, but it can also come with that, like um, those expectations, that baggage. So it's interesting to me that actors are becoming really well aware of like, 
I know what the fans are like. <laughs> so I'm, you know, going to say, hey, fans, you know, just just be aware that uh, don't don't come in with too much baggage because we got a, a surprise for you. Um, yeah. And then I think the other part of that that's more specific to the Mandalorian is the Mandalorian. It does such great tip of the iceberg storytelling that we are all, I think, excited for the rest of the iceberg. And mm. I feel like what the actors are telling us is, hey, uh, this isn't going to be everything. This is not going to be the rest of the iceberg. <laughs> this is going to be a uh, two or three other tips. <laughs> yeah. um, and I think that's a really important thing for me to, to remind myself as a Star Wars fan, because I do get really excited about where could the story go? What could um, Mando realize about the Mudhorn clan? And, you know, what all decisions could he make about who he wants to be and who, uh, what, what all force things, uh, force people, force temples, force trees could he meet? And, you know, when will the big climactic fight with Moff Gideon be? And when will the answers about the child be and all that? And I think it's really good to step back and look at that first season of Mandalorian. Uh, a ton of things happen events wise, but a lot of them are just for the sake of character development and for the sake of adventure and for the sake of sort of slowly building bonds between characters for the big uh, overarching plot of the first season. Mando is hired to get a bounty. It's the child. He gives the child back. He decides he doesn't want to give the child, so he takes it. Then the person mm -hmm. who wants the child eventually tracks him down and tries to take the child back and fails. Like, narratively, story-wise, that's what happens. It's a very small amount of story. And everything that we love about The Mandalorian comes not only from that story in the first season, but all of that character building and all of those individual fun adventures that show us a little part of the Star Wars galaxy in this time period and what it means to these specific people. So for me, I take this as a reminder to just to take a big step back and go, the actual big picture story of the truth of who the child is, the truth of what Moff Gideon wants, the truth of who the Mandalorian will eventually become, all of that stuff might only be advanced like a step in terms of the story. But the adventures and the characters is what this is about. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're, you're speaking everything that's in my heart and, and it's, it's I always take it as a reminder for myself. I, I always go back to episode two and watching it and feeling like, Whoa, wow. What was that? Did I, did I even like that? I don't know if I like that. Yeah. Wait, I really like that. And just feeling a little lost during episode two of season one going, wait, this isn't, this isn't what I thought it'd be. And then liking it. But then even then getting by episode six, slightly upset <laughs> of like, just what are we doing here? And the video game of the week kind of, you know, big boss of the week kind of fighting all that kind of stuff. Even though I, I was very, you know, I'm not saying I'm, I'm, the, I'm the smartest Star Wars fan, but I, I, I get I got it right. But even even by episode six, which might be some of my early problems with quote unquote problems with those episodes of just like, come on, come on, come on. I got, I got to remind myself to just go on the journey. And uh, I've already got, well, if this character shows up and if this character shows up and, and that was coming out of season one, I think we even had conversations here, Joseph, of just like, well, now we all have expectations and there you go. <laughs> uh, 
uh, it's going to be interesting. And I'm not going to lie and, 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 and say I'm not bracing for some sort of impact. Yeah. Uh, just in the fandom. And, and, and it's, uh, you know, that's fine. And I, I think at this point, we're all aware that this is the cycle. We're all aware, and you talk about the actors. Excellent point because they're on their, uh, they're out there on the front lines. They're going to conventions more than any time period as a, as an actor, right? Like, yeah, conventions have been around for a long time, but now it's just part of the circuit. It's part of the journey, uh, promoting your stuff. So they know they're going to be, you know, I, I think of the the cast members of Game of Thrones after season eight going to conventions and just not being really happy with the fans and the, it was a little bit of a cold war going on and they know they're out there uh, and they're the ones have, having to speak for the series. So I think that's interesting for, uh, you know, Giancarlo Esposito. I think great point for you to bring that into the conversation. And now this, that uh, they're just, and it's not bad, right? They're not like, Oh, you're not gonna like it. They're just like, Hey, we got some cool stuff. Let it happen. Yeah. Yeah, like think of the Ahsoka rumors, right? Um, which I I tend to believe. Um, yeah. And if you if we went into the second season having no idea that Ahsoka might show up, and let's say that Ahsoka does show up, just for total theoretical argument, she shows up in episode three for two minutes at the end. It's a fun, brief moment. Yeah. If we had no expectation that Ahsoka was going to be in there, it just would have been holy bleep, Ahsoka on screen, amazing. But now that we've all been living with this rumor, we have all these expectations. And if Ahsoka is a two-minute cameo, how upset are people going to be? And that is all about expectations because we've had time to all individually think what we expect and what we want and what we dream of a live-action Ahsoka. And it might be a two-minute cameo. Yeah. I mean, I'm almost banking on that. (laughs) (laughs) Really good. Yeah, look, I uh, going back to Game of Thrones. Sometimes when a casting thing would pop up, uh, I remember um, uh, going into what was it, season six uh, with um, uh, oh my gosh, why am I blanking on the lead guy from Deadwood? Why am I blanking? Oh, on Timothy name? Oliphant. Uh, no, well, no, no, no. Uh, oh, Ian McShane. Uh, uh, Ian McShane. Dear God, <laughs> I'm shouting wow. it out like I'm doing a, a trivia contest. <laughs> contest brad dorf um <laughs> no uh when ian mcshane get cast in game of thrones it was like yes and he was there for one great episode one of my favorite episodes as brother ray um a show only kind of character kind of an amalgamation from characters and that, that was for me going oh yes ian mcshane's game of thrones four episode arc as this you know and that's just the way it is it's the way it is and that and i love that we're there i love that we have the the excitement for this stuff so uh, anyways, of all the Mandalorian news, this is the one that was the most interesting to me today was Emily Swallow saying, uh, yeah, pump the brakes, roll down the windows, turn up the music, and we're going to take you for a ride. That's right. I agree with the uh, the actor who performs the armor. This is the way. <laughs> this is the way. All right. So we're going to move on from Mandalorian news. Yes, I'm sure more will break. And it's the running joke that never ends here at Force Center. But we've, uh, in fact, in fact, this was actually last week. After last week's episode on Tuesday, uh, Delray tweeted out forty tweets. Four. That's a that's a thread, man. Uh, forty tweets of uh, forty excerpts from their uh, forthcoming book coming out on November tenth, which is a certain point of view: The Empire Strikes Back edition. We all uh, generally enjoyed uh, the New Hope <laughs> one. We'll talk about that. Uh, so they they put out a lot of the all the stories the authors the characters what they're what, what they're about uh any any one of them grab you joseph that you're curious about and 
maybe one or two that you're not quite sure about. Yeah, as I was uh, scrolling through them all this morning, I found myself really excited by the chapters about kind of known characters that that we in the more intense Star Wars fandom are well aware of those characters and getting to hear their perspective where we maybe haven't as much before. Uh, Torn Far in particular, I was really excited about. Veers, you know, that's a character that I think a lot of people love. You know, uh, obviously I'm aware of the the Twitter handle Veers Watch. Um, great to hear a little bit more Veers perspective. Piet by Beth Revis. I love mm-hmm. Beth Revis' Rebel Rising, so I'm really excited to dive into Piet. Uh, that idea of um, this wedge uh, chapter where Wedge is like, where the hell are Luke and Han and Lan? All the people who always overshadow me. <laughs> uh, like I've I've loved that joke uh, of you know that joke and that true narrative thing of like, how does Wedge feel about being the and Wedge? You know of yeah. the the uh, rebellion leadership. So I'm excited about that. Uh, Bosk on his hunt for Han Solo. Uh, Kevin Scott's story, which is, uh, looks like it's going to feature uh, Jackson and Lobot interacting. Uh, I love Jackson, uh, the rabbit, <laughs> the space rabbit, mm-hmm. uh, and I love how much Kevin Scott loves him. And then the other one that really jumped out at me is the L3, uh, jumping yeah. off of that uh, quote in Empire Strikes Back that I think partially inspired L3 of 3PO saying, you know, where did the, your ship learn to communicate? It has a peculiar dialect. Um, so I think kind of grabbing them all together, what is interesting to me about those is really for me paying off that certain point of view of characters that I already have a little bit of an investment in and going, I'd really like to know how they feel about their life in this adventure and ones that are just kind of begging to be told. Like Mm -hmm. the L3, it feels like that's been teed up by the relationship between Empire Strikes Back and, and Solo. So it's not like reaching for the most obscure corner, you know, it's like right there. So those are the ones I'm excited about. Mm. Yeah, I think we're right in the same spot. Veers and Piet, of course. I'm going to any yeah. insight into the Imperial officers. Uh, I, it, I'm intrigued by the Dengar and IG-88 buddy comedy that apparently uh, we're going <laughs> to hear about. Will, Will Rohood is an expected one. So I am, I'm keeping an open mind about the Jackson one because I do love Jackson in terms of just a weird, remember there was a bunny in Star Wars type of reference. And that's been a case for a long time. And I know Kevin Scott has works Jackson into a lot of things, including uh, you know the uh, the Jedi uh, Trials game show and everything that we just uh, were you know watching. He he put some Jackson references in those stories that he was writing. So uh, I like all that stuff. Uh, I am uh, I, I am intrigued by that. Just I, I want these. I love when these stories can just give me something that wasn't there. Uh, the L three one as well, but you know that just I will never. I will always think about when I watch the movies, they don't dominate, they don't change the story, but they just, you know, increase my understanding of the characters and enjoyment of what's going on around the corners. So I'll stick. I'm, I'm like you, the characters that I, that I know I'm, I'm open to there's the, 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 the one here of a uh, socialite uh, talking about Leia uh, on cloud city. I, I'm definitely interested in that kind of, of stuff. Uh, but I, I guess we should. Oh, I the, the Obi Wan one with this quote. I had hoped that dying would be enough to untangle me from the Skywalker family issues. That I don't know what I feel about that. So I'm gonna definitely read to find out. <laughs> and I wanted to ask you as an Obi Wan guy, what do you feel about that sentence? Yeah, it's, I I I like the 
concept of it and I really want to see where it goes. To me, that that sentence is a fascinating choose your own adventure of where it's going to go. If you mm-hmm. read it to me from the perspective of the Obi-Wan Kenobi who can be a little grumpy and kind of express it in a sort of grumpy, like if that's the Obi-Wan who you know, says, you know, who's more foolish, the fool or the fool who chooses to follow him. It's kind of like, you know, or the Obi-Wan who kind of teases Anakin every time he loses his lightsaber. If it's a sense of humor of like, I can't believe my entire Jedi destiny has just been dealing with this family. If it's having mm-hmm. a sense of whimsy about it and a sense of irony to cope with the pain. Great. If it's, if you turn to page 37 and it's actually really sincere of like, this isn't what I wanted. I don't want to be stuck with this. That might be taking it a little bit too far for me is uh, is my taste as an Obi-Wan fan. Yeah. Oh, and what I, I have to mention uh, John Jackson Miller getting to write Ray Sloan again, uh, her appearing up, uh, appearing in the emperor empire timeline will be interesting for me. Uh, I think a lot of people looking forward to that one. Big agree that, with that one because I think that's another yeah. opportunity of this is a, if a character who in newer canon should have been around then, that's great. Same mm-hmm. thing as L3. Yes, yes. And, and yeah, the L3 one, I, I, I'm i excited too because to me it's always kind of, I, I, yeah, I mean, no surprise. I just have always kind of, I understood some of the criticism of the L3 thing, but where it, where it ends up makes made some sort of sense for me. So um, I, I like to see that connected. I, I just have to discuss, you know, since the first book came out, I think I speaking for myself here when the first one came out, I really took it all as canon capital C it's, this is what it is. And I think it generally is considered that, but it's this kind of, uh, you know, making up the term canon adjacent or canon light, a loose canon, a um, little bit of legends, uh, the, the, the spirit of it. Is it more in those stories than I than I took it at the time? Uh, did you have that kind of approach to uh, during re- during the reading of the first book or after Joseph or or was I alone thinking this was gospel? Yeah, no, I think I I can't remember honestly between the number of interviews and press releases. I think when I was sitting down to read it, I was like, oh, this is canon, and this was my, one of my first readings when we read that first certain point of view where I you know took that step back and said, remember. This is a story told a long time ago from lots of different perspectives. And if something doesn't work for me, I just don't need to add it to my personal canon. Uh, In that first book, there's some stuff about four spirits that is just uh, powerful to me that I love, that I think about all the time. The part about Yoda having uh, Qui-Gon's cloak and in dreaming of training Leia, that makes perfect emotional sense to me and I love it and enriches Star Wars to me and then there's some other stories in that book where just like I'm not going to imagine that every person around every corner is thinking that and you know Mm -hmm. and some some stories that that just really really don't work for me and there is a freedom in going I don't need to think about that when I watch the movie I don't need to have that be you know true to me yeah, I, I'm excited for this book, but I, I will not, not going to lie, I'm not as excited as I was going into the New Hope one, just because I I don't need I don't need everything to be canon with a capital C. This is the fact. I really don't. Inspired by or playing with the edges and giving you something to think about. I, I'm not overly excited about a, a Wampa tale, a Tauntaun tale, you know, uh, but I'm going to read them and they might move me. You know, the Dino, the Dinoga one is both beautiful and one of my least favorite things in star Wars. And that's the honest truth. You know, like I'm like, I don't need this, but man, this was really sweet and beautiful. <laughs> like, and, and so I'm approaching with that. And it's, and again, I always try to speak to myself. Good reminder of just, you know, you're not, 
you're not always adding to the next line of Wikipedia. Uh, you are just getting something that makes a galaxy bigger and at times maybe makes a galaxy or galaxy more fun and that's okay too. But there's going to be some in here that I guarantee I, I like and guarantee that I slip into the Empire Strikes Back timeline and just say, hey, this is my mind is what happened. Yeah, absolutely to go. This is the conversation that L3 had with 3PO. This is where Ray Sloan was during all of these mm-hmm. moments. That's great. But like, yeah, there's one that I think is implying. Uh, and obviously these are spoilers for the announcement. So if anybody just doesn't want to hear them, you know, uh, again, you mute us for a minute. Um, there's one about a stormtrooper who on Bespin who overhears the, I think the description is the most awkward family reunion ever, which to me implies it's a story about a stormtrooper overhearing uh, Vader and Luke. And like, yeah, I don't think the story might be great, but I'm never going to want to watch Empire Strikes Back and imagine like the fun, cheeky stormtrooper <laughs> who's overhearing this going, whoa, the story might be great. It might be incredibly well written. It's just sometimes yeah. I think just the like, the kind of addition to the narrative in my mind, it, it doesn't enrich the narrative for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll see, but we're going to look into them and, and we'll read them. Of course, of course we are. We're Star Wars fans. We love them. And I always love new Star Wars, but I, I agree with you there. Uh, that'll be interesting. So look for that November 10th, November 10th, the empire strikes back 40 stories, 40 years later. Uh, staying with the books, staying with the books. We're going to the High Republic. Uh, we got some news and notes from this forthcoming series in January. And this already, we already would have been enjoying these, some of these uh, books and comics, right? They moved it back. Yeah. I forget that. Yeah. So now we're in January. We've got first things up here. We got a crawl. I'm going to, I'm going to read this crawl. You tell me what you think about this crawl, Joseph. This is, uh, I'd say a crawl to the whole era not necessarily one story uh it's kind of general and it's some of the stuff we've we've heard before but here you go star wars the High republic the galaxy is at peace ruled by the glorious republic and protected by the noble and wise jedi knights as a symbol of all that is good the republic is about to launch starlight beacon into the far reaches of the outer rim this new space station will serve as a ray of hope for all to see but just as a magnificent renaissance spreads throughout the galaxy so does a frightening new adversary Now the guardians of peace and justice must face a threat to themselves, the galaxy, and the force itself. Fade into the stars and our story begins. What do you think about that crawl? We love our crawls in Star Wars. What does it mean to see the High Republic have a classic crawl? Oh, yeah, it's great. I think it is one of the things that is most exciting about uh, Star Wars movies. We have all those debates about whether the non-Skywalker saga movies should ever have crawls. Solo has its... Uh, non-crawling crawl. <laughs> uh, so it, it's like, it's aesthetic uh, power. It welcomes you into Star Wars, but it is one of, I think, the powerful things in Star Wars that uh, that makes it feel like a story. Like, obviously, all narrative movies are a story, but this is like that, this is what makes it space fantasy. This is what makes it feel like you are opening a storybook and you are, hearing about this adventure that happened a long time ago and you are wondering as we were just discussing about how reliable the narrator is you know and all of that mood comes with the opening crawl so i think it's really great to have that with the high republic and then i think for the actual content of this crawl the crawls have always done a great great job of balancing catching you up on the actual plot uh, and setting the thematic stakes of, you know, if it's 
hope or rebellion or whatever the stake is in that particular story. I really like how how kind of fresh the thematic stakes are. You know, uh, phrases like ray of hope and renaissance and that you're really saying you're starting at a point where not only is the galaxy at peace, everything is so great that they're expanding. And it suggests a galaxy where everyone is aware of and discussing, hey, this is one of the greatest, most noble, prosperous times that we've ever had as a galaxy. So let's go out there and bring that beauty that we're all experiencing to even more of the galaxy. And then contrasted with, whoops, no, tragedy, <laughs> threats, mm-hmm. horrible reality. It really, it, it really is different in that it starts with the galaxy really aware of how great things are. Like, uh, I think some of us went into the prequels with the baggage that this is what the story we were going to see. But, mm-hmm. you know, as we all know, the Republic was already crumbling a little bit in the, you know, the Phantom Menace. This the trade dispute was already one of the things that was eating at the edges of this. Um, so mm-hmm. this to me is in some ways it's really fulfilling the hope of what some people thought the prequels were going to be of. It's a great time. Everybody's aware it's a great time. Uh, now there's a, a horrible reality that the Jedi have to deal with. Yeah, I'm almost like, is, is, is this the uh, Star Wars uh, version of the Roaring Twenties? Uh, we're just going to have a lot of fun. Um, uh, uh, yeah, I like, what you said, cause I, I like this idea that, you know, because it's very rare that you're looking around going, folks, we are in the best times we'll ever have. Uh, but I like that you're aware, you said they're aware and, and they're trying to grow and expand. And then that, that this could be for this generation of Jedi, the first real outside challenge to what they do. Uh, outside challenge to what they know uh and and that goes beyond just something that happens but them as a collective organization if you will having to deal with that uh again there's been big battles i get that i, I know the history but for this for this generation be like the sith uh, uh, the sith wars are behind us the mandalorian wars are behind us this is great we got these good jobs let's go out and share the love <laughs> hey problems arise i just something i like that uh, as each each jedi figures out how to deal with that and this call, crawl kind of sets it up for me in that way yeah yeah in terms of kind of like real world how we talk about our own history like uh i i wasn't alive then but the way we talk about the early uh kennedy administration the way it was called it was literally called camelot right and you had this young handsome president and you know the whole world was uh, fascinated with uh, the first lady with his you know mm-hmm. interesting uh and elegant and beautiful wife and it felt like this new dawn for America and then bam, the assassination mm. and the sort of the reality of, you know, a lot of things going on in America bubbled to the surface, mm. you know, and I, it, that mood is really interesting to me that they that, that they I, think they're in Camelot and then mm-hmm. something horrible happens and it makes them have to go. Yeah, things are great. We're doing well, but the dark side is always there and these these bad things in the galaxy are always there and now we have to deal with them because this kind of beautiful hope was shattered that's a great great picture of of the era that uh, that you've just uh, kind of composed there and put together that really makes some sense for me it, not to connect it directly to you know new hope you know original trilogy but new hope is you know nixon era coming out of that and a lot of the prequels are leading to that we know george was playing around with that stuff but 
If, if you want to kind of lay that down the timeline, this is 200 years earlier. I get it. But what would you said of just like, it's great. Everything's great. And inside and out, there's problems, not so much like the Phantom Menace type of problems, but just things that will have to be dealt with, learned, uh, those kind of obstacles. That's really interesting to, to make it to the early Kennedy days. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they, it's uh, it's Camelot in lots of different ways. Yeah. I think they're referring to King Arthur Camelot, but it's that same idea of like, everything's great. Uh-oh. <laughs> Uh-oh. Uh, the uh, a lot of this came out of the New York Comic Con virtual uh, panels and stuff that's been going on. So I'm going to read a couple of news and notes here. We can dive on in. Phase two books will include Kevin Scott writing a novel, mostly known for his work on the comic side. Justina Ireland back at it with a, a YA novel. Daniel Jose Older writing a middle grade novel. There's going to be a lot of content in this High Republic era. We'll see if we can keep up and you know if you kind of do the uh hunt and peck on the uh, salad bar of star wars but we'll try to take it all in uh there's a lot of stuff about connections to the force uh joseph uh, i want to get your thoughts here avar chris perceives the force as music the wookie jedi perceives the force as a, as a large forest and and they're they're kind of a, a tree or a leaf in that forest claudia gray is uh said she's written Two kind of characters. One, a Matthew McConaughey with a spaceship type character. We don't know if the Force is connected to that character. But Claudia Gray has written a Jedi that is less in tune with the Force and has to work hard to connect. So I love that we're going to be getting a lot more of what it actually means to these individual Jedis. And they can still bring their perspective to the uh, to the organization. Yeah. Yeah. I absolutely love hearing this. Uh, one of the things I've said uh, all along about High Republic that I'm most excited about is really taking time to dive into the individual characters and perspective of the Jedi. I do think we get a little bit of that in the Clone Wars animated series, but there are parts of it where like, well, they're all pretty stand up and noble. And we mostly spend time with the, you know, the Jedi who are a little bit more reckless and sometimes it can just feel like the Jedi in lockstep. But I really like the Jedi being very different characters with very different perspectives. And this is already paying that off. The Claudia Gray thing is literally a thing that we have talked about on Force Center uh, going back a while of like, you know, when we get great listener questions about like, what kind of Jedi do you want to see? I said, I want to see a Jedi who are like, yeah, I'm not, I, I can feel the Force. I can manipulate the Force. I'm not that powerful. <laughs> yeah. We we stay with the powerful characters uh, so much that it's great to have it be like, I can do it. It does not come easy for me. And I, yeah, boy, I, that thing that uh, Anakin Skywalker just did. Nope. I could never do that. <laughs> you know, that's a fascinating character to me. It, it look, uh, it's fascinating to me. This is not necessarily um, what you meant by that back then or what Claudia, Claudia Gray has written, but the idea of you got the Jedi, you got this big Jedi temple and you got, you know, Jocasta new. Everyone always makes fun of when they first learn. And some people still learn. And I'm talking about people in our generation of fans who are like, wait a minute, there was a librarian? Uh, and there's that kind of joke. But it's like, that makes sense. Yeah, The, the Jedi Temple Guard makes sense of just a, an in-house kind of guard of what's going on there. To me, I'm always, there's got to be a Jedi head chef. Oh, there's yeah. got to be a Jedi maintenance team, you know? And so if there's a Jedi who's like, man, I just cannot do the flippity flips, uh, you know, but I can really, really spit you on this kitchen. Let me, let me do it. Like, I don't know. Yeah. I'm, I'm not, I don't want to just be like a joke, but just different kinds of Jedi, especially during this era. I think you can explore it more than the, you know, when you got to move and whiz bang through a movie, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And in, in this more peaceful era, if there's a Jedi who are like, who's like, uh, in terms of like, your just power in the forest and you're, 
how quickly and easily you can throw things around and you can black uh, block blasters while also throwing things like, yeah, you're, you're not that connected with the force to manipulate it, but you're a great diplomat. We don't encounter that much violence. Go out there and you'll be fine. Yeah. 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 That's intriguing to me. Yeah. Good stuff. Um, this final couple, oh, oh, here, final, uh, many references to the High Republic have already been placed in other Star Wars stories and have yet to be discovered. There's some that are, we all have just read, whether it's comics or, you know, some of the books already. Just they're, it's very clear. Like characters are going, remember, I remember the High Republic? Uh, but I'm excited to, to know that there are many, that, many that I've missed. I want there to be just a ton that I've missed. I think that's going to be a lot of fun. I'll probably have to wait till Alex puts out a Star Wars Explained video of all the connections. Get on it, Alex. But you know what I mean? Like, I think that's fun that the answers, some answers are clues more than answers. Clues are out there. And then I don't even know. That excites me as a Star Wars fan. I don't know about you. Yeah, absolutely. Like, um, I always thought that maybe the uh, the monolith thing in the second uh, Alphabet Squadron book might tie in. But I kind of feel like I don't think people would miss that. That's a it's a pretty big thing. It occurred to me that maybe some of the, uh, I wonder if any of the accident in uh, that happens at the beginning of High Republic is going to add to the the chaos of the unknown regions. Uh, that would be interesting to me. But you know, beyond that, like I have no idea what little planet or little character or little moment was referenced. <laughs> and and I I am with you. I look forward to Alex's video. Yeah, <laughs> that's the one I have to have to get ready for. Uh, so there's some uh, look at the High Republic. Um, uh, Material coming in January. I, I'm getting excited. Like, I'm just excited because I just, you know, we have, we're starting to get ideas and characters and, and lightsabers. Well, I still really don't have an idea of what this is going to be. And I, and that, that excites me as a Star Wars fan. So I, I, I think you're probably in the same spot, uh, Joseph, learning about cool Jedi robes and what they're going to do with them. Yeah, in that last part of the crawl, the threat to the Force itself, I love that that is going to force the Jedi to look philosophically at their own view of the Force. And I like that I'm not exactly sure what that means, you know, narratively. How is this going to be a threat to the Force itself? I'm really excited for that, too. There you go. Star Wars, the High Republic, Camelot. That's what we've just now renamed. <laughs> uh, final tidbit of information. Not a lot, but I had to include it because, you know, we're doing a Star Wars podcast with Joseph Scrimshaw. You got to talk about Kenobi. <laughs> Kenobi. Kenobi. A tidbit of Obi-Wan news came from Ewan McGregor appearing on the Graham Norton show. He got asked about Kenobi by both Graham Norton and another guest on the panel. Confirmed. I'll say again, I think this is uh, relatively, you know, old news, but confirmed the start of production is March 20, uh, 2021. Uh, we know they're going to be shooting on the volume or something like the volume. Uh, he did talk uh, about studying and preparing for playing a younger Kenobi and what he's trying to do now, um, you know, talking about watching older Alec Guinness movies uh, and, and prepping for uh, prequel era stuff. But this is different now. And and uh, I, I got to ask you, we've talked a lot about whether it was the movie or the series idea or, and just talking about Kenobi in the desert. I know, I know you have a lot of thoughts on that. There. <laughs> what, are you, what are you expecting of, of this version of Kenobi in terms of performance uh, speed of the characters is, is he breaking down is he slow is he closer to the oh let me sit down on this rock or log what do you want Ewan to, to bring to this kind of actual performance of Kenobi yeah no that's a great question um and I did want to just shout out every time that Ewan McGregor has been on Graham Norton it's fun so just go back he's done some lightsaber fighting and oh. he's talked about how much he's like yeah no I did this a long time I don't I don't forget uh he can't there's a great one after Force Awakens where he can't remember the line that he said is Obi-Wan 
Yeah. So if you're bored, just go check out uh, Ewan McGregor on all Graham Norton uh, appearances. But for your great question, Ken, of what we're expecting for this version of Kenobi, uh, I'm really expecting a two things. The weight of everything that he's lost, even though it, it has been years, right? I am expecting, mm-hmm. honestly, just PTSD. Uh, we talked mm-hmm. about that a little bit when we did our deep dive into Obi-Wan's uh, hut of exposition, that he still feels the pain of, you know, uh, before the dark times, before the Empire. And this is mm-hmm. still fresh for him. And we concentrate on the personal uh, for Kenobi and the relationships that we really know of. Though He lost uh, Anakin, right? But he lost mm-hmm. everything. That temple was his home. You know, he grew up around all of those Jedi who were slaughtered. They're gone. The force probably feels different to him in his bones. So I think that there's going to be a little bit uh, of we've always talked about the Kenobi movie might feel a little bit more like an indie movie in a like I expect some beautiful shots of him trying to keep going forward while staring at those uh, twin sons and just feeling it. Um, So there's that side of it, the PTSD and then I think there is the other side of it of, but I do have a mission now. It is to watch over the next generation. So trying to find purpose uh, and joy and hope in his current assignment uh, mm. as a Jedi. I think those are kind of the the, the balance that mm. a little bit of that, like I, I still want to be out there doing things, but I know this is what I need to be doing right now. And, fighting off the weight of of the horror yeah yeah a lot of a lot of stoic staring into the twin sides <laughs> just um yeah tapping into you know you you and talking about you know joking even about being a little bit older and closer to allegheny and age now uh for, from a new hope but like, you and I have always talked about the uh, the turning of the page of Kenobi as a character, looking back on his failures, maybe trying to correct those, but then looking ahead. And that's just you know speaking very general about what we think this this might be. So if that can be, just even down to the physical side of it, uh, uh, you know, not that I want this to be uh, him just fighting space pirates or water thieves or evaporator thieves, but just like things that he. Oh man, this truly—it's starting to hit me that this this isn't my fight anymore. And even though I want it, and they're obviously going to be something big, and I, I hope there's a confrontation, you know, with Vader or anything like that. Any in the rumors we've heard before, years—we're talking rumors from years ago or whatever the big thing is. I'd love to see him play those little things of just that that Kenobi. When I when you and I broke down that hut scene uh, recently in Force Center, scene by scene, just looking in the background of what's hanging in Kenobi's hut. Just a memory of things, and and that he can now fondly look back and 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 uh, and 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 look forward, get a little momentum for his new mission. And uh, you know, I can't play baseball anymore, but I can coach it. I, I, that's a transition I want to physically. Uh, you know, playing around with the twin sons, you know, uh, just wrecking his skin, <laughs> you know, turning him a little older, faster. I I want all that, and I think I think you and studying Allegheny's older Allegheny's uh, uh, versus younger. I think that's going to kind of, kind of appear there. Yeah. I, I think it's in the Ahsoka novel, that passage about the twin sons, you know, being really hard on you and the knees cracking. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And I do, I do. That's one of those things that could be a, a joke of like, how did he age so fast? But I, I like it, it. It feels right for what he's going through in life and for the reality of it. it's a desert world with the 
two sons that I really would like a, a little bit without being too uh, jokey about it. Of I'm ge- I'm getting too old for this bleep. Of like he isn't moving. He is he's communing with the force with the cosmic force. He is not using the living force a ton, and it's wearing on his body and it's wearing on his connection with the living force. Is all really interesting thematic stuff and. You know, Ewan McGregor's got that classic Harrison Ford charm. Like Harrison Ford changed the action movie world forever when he played the pain of being an action star. And I know Ewan McGregor can play the hell out of that of absolutely cool Obi-Wan move when he needs to do it. And then the, ah, damn it. You know, I beat them all, but one of them got a shot off of my shoulder because I'm too slow now and it hurts. Yeah, look, you and I are still very young, right? We're still very young, but <laughs> gray in our beards. Like I, I have older friends who are like, "You ain't, you ain't know nothing yet, kid," because uh, they're in their sixties. But it, it does something to you. And if you're younger and you're listening, this isn't just a, you know, gather around. Let me tell you a story. You, you look in the mirror and you're fine. You're like, oh, I, li- I like this gray beard. I like this. But you're like, man, did I waste my twenties? Did I do that right? Man, it was there and gone. Like all those kind of things. Time flies. It blows your mind. And for to have Kenobi to deal with that in a real world way as well. But going, man, you know, that in that time period before, you know, when I met Anakin and 10 years before the, the Clone Wars, like, like, what could I have done better? And looking back, I, I I want some of that. Again, like you said, not in a jokey way of like, look at my face, man, this is bad. But just it, it, it does. It, it sends you down a, a, an emotional journey sometimes down an emotional path uh, when, when you see a picture of yourself on Facebook just four years ago and you're like, oh, that's it. I don't even know who that person is. <laughs> um, and so, I, yeah, not to go down too far. I don't need this to be Star Wars, the middle-aged person story, but it, I, it is Kenobi. That's where he is. And, and I do want some of that there. Yeah. I mean, I think there's just an honest uh, real-life thing that can be translated to the Force in a very interesting way, too, which is use it or lose it, right? If you keep active... You know, you still age, your knees still hurt, your back still hurt, but you, if you keep active, you feel you have more energy and you can keep doing some of the things you did when you were younger, longer. And if you just sit in a hut, not so much. And that's really interesting on a philosophical level as well of use it or lose it. I love that. I love that. Uh, McGregor joked about, hey, it's not just uh, me in it. Uh, it, There's going to be other characters. So outside of you and I have talked a lot about Owen and Baru and and Joel Edgerton. We love we would just love that that dinner table scene (laughs) or or running into Owen and Baru at a shopping mart and them getting mad at him or Owen getting mad at him Uh, and other characters. You know, we might we could maybe guess about some other bigger characters, whatever. But I want to know, too, for you, especially a Kenobi fan. Uh, uh, to the level you are, Joseph, what type of characters do you hope interact with Kenobi? So is it going to be, do you want a new sassy droid? Every Star Wars story got a new sassy droid. Uh, bounty hunter showing up makes some kind of sense at a bar, a gangster. That obviously makes some sense. We definitely want another bartender or maybe Wu Hair himself. Have you thought about the type of characters you want to see? Yeah, your list is great, Ken. Uh, young, a young Wu Hair for sure. A, a slightly younger Wu Hair uh, would be great. Or any bartender, because Kenobi in a bar is a tradition. I love that. Uh, sassy droid might be interesting, since Kenobi doesn't seem to have a ton of respect for droids. Uh, so bartender's high on my list. Another kind of character I'd like to see is some sort of traitor or townsperson that Obi-Wan likes. Uh like actually enjoys chatting with in the same way he enjoys chatting with Dexter Jetster, but also feeling that that sad push and pull of like, I really like talking to this person. I can't hang around with him too much or let him know too much about me, you know, because that's dangerous. So I'd like that. Um, 
I definitely for big like oh, oh wow moments I would love to actually see or hear Obi-Wan uh, commune with Qui-Gon uh, just directly um, would be great Ooh, for yeah. big big moments and then my last one here uh, jumping off your bounty hunter thing I started to kind of spin down like what would be really interesting about that like hey random bounty hunter that he has to fight off to protect Luke we've seen things like that in comic books great that, I'd love that mm-hmm. but there'd be some real weight if it's a bounty hunter who just was like, maybe it's not even a conflict. Maybe it's just Obi-Wan needs to go into town and a bounty hunter looks over and like, wait, I know that guy. That guy kicked my ass during the Clone Wars. And if like a bounty hunter who knows Obi-Wan, who has a grudge against Obi-Wan, is not like actively like hunting Jedi, but just like, damn, is that him? Uh, I think there's something about Obi-Wan not, you know, kind of having to outrun his past and not really being able to, that I think is going to be at the center of this story. So, you know, it could be Embo. I love Embo. I'd love to see a live action Embo. Could be a bounty hunter we've never met or heard of before. But I love that idea of like, hey, wait, didn't you kick my ass during the Clone Wars? (laughs) And that being like a problem for Obi-Wan because then this bounty hunter is coming for him and he's got to deal with it, but, you know, can't uh, reveal himself too much. I'd love that. That makes a lot of sense. You're on Tatooine. You're you're on Mos Eisley. You're in Mos Eisley. If you do go to town and you know a scum and villainy hangout, and it's not too long ago that you were punching scum and villainy in the face, I yeah. <laughs> no, no, my name's Ben. No, no, it's not. Yeah, it'll be, it'll be fun. It could be fun and good. Force pushed me off a ledge. <laughs> my yeah. knee still hurts. You ale. Have a drink. Have a drink. Uh, so there you go. Our look at uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi. I'm uh, super excited for this series. Just can't wait. Uh, but I also want to stay in the present and not slip too far ahead in my mind with time. Kids, it goes fast. Uh, we got some Mandalorian news, higher public news, the uh, Empire Strikes Back book, a lot out there. But that concludes our look at news today. Before we take a quick break to reset, we're going to do a Force Center Recommends, an audiobook we think you should try out on us. Just what do we have? Yeah, since it's October, it's spooky season, and I like spooky season. I wanted to recommend a spooky book, and that is Lords of the Sith by Paul S. Kemp. Do it. Oh, it's still one of my favorites. Download your free audiobook today. Go to audibletrial.com slash force center. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash force center for your free audio book. All right, we're going to take a quick break. On the other side of this, your cues, that's questions. That's what we learned in today's episode. Uh, stick around. This is force center. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is 
is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hey, Four Center friends, make sure you're keeping up to date on all the great content from Jennifer Landa. Whether it's YouTube, Instagram, or TikTok, you whippersnappers, Four Center's own Jennifer Landa continues to bring you fun, informative, and insightful laughs and moments. Also, Jennifer brings her experience and perspective as a Star Wars-loving mother to her DIY projects, blogs, and more. So be sure to head on over to JennyLanda.com. That's J-E-N-I-L-A-N-D-A.com for articles like how to make your own Darth Maul sneakers or 10 unique Star Wars baby gift ideas. Follow Jen on Twitter and Instagram at Jennifer Landa and on TikTok as Jennifer Landa 1138 <laughs> Hey, Four Center fans, don't forget, Four Center is on YouTube. Head over there to catch up with our new show, Star Wars Show and Tell. Joseph, Jennifer, Ken, and special guests sit down and share favorite items from their own Star Wars memorabilia collections. Plus, there's the In Memoriam video series. 
encore presentations of databank brawl and special programming all there for you and more shows on the way it's forcing on youtube check it out here on Force Center. It's time to look at our audience questions. Our listeners always come up with some great ones. Joseph, what do we have this week? Yeah, we got two great questions from Twitter and two great questions from our patrons on Patreon. So let's dive into Twitter. First from Vanessa Fontaine, which, by the way, awesome name. Vanessa Fontaine says... I, yeah. yeah, go ahead. Yeah. No, excuse, yeah, no, I'm, I, we, didn't, we didn't plan that. I was like, Fontaine. Look at that. I like that. Good stuff. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Vanessa Fontaine has definitely appeared in a Humphrey Bogart and Lauren Bacall film, I think, um, just by name. Anyway, Vanessa says, I consider you guys professors of Star Wars. Thank you. That's very, very nice. Uh, And Vanessa says, I learned so much. If you could either teach or attend a class at the Jedi Academy, what class would you like to participate in? So, Ken, do you want to teach? Do you want to listen? What do you want to do at the Jedi Academy? Well, first of all, uh, if I'm a professor of Star Wars, I'm like the Rodney Dangerfield in a bad 80s comedy version. Like, <laughs> hey, I don't know, know how I got this job. It's all party. Uh, yes. Um, if, I was, if I was to attend uh, a Jedi Academy class, I would want it to be about focus. Like, I'm not a meditator. I, 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 I understand the practice and, and, and enjoy those. I love him. My girlfriend's really big on that kind of stuff. I do. I just, I am, I, my mind, I'll start listening to those calm. We play those calm things, mm-hmm. you know, the stories and everything. And let's do a daily med- motivational or da- a daily meditation. Two minutes in, I'm like, man, I got to trade that player and I'm going to be the show. <laughs> uh, tomorrow I got to go to order context. I just can't. I just, so I'd love to learn. And maybe Qui-Gon could teach me. This is before uh, he got sent to action there uh, on uh, Naboo. Like, how to how to focus when he when he drops to his knees in the middle of that mall fight yeah. it's one of my favorite moments of just because i though i have a nickname of kenny no bothers and things can roll off my um, my back pretty easily i also have more of obi-wan in that mall fight of let's go oh, get him <laughs> and so i'd love i'd love to learn that the focus a little force a little force meditation yeah, no, I like, yeah, control. You must learn control. That's just what the syllabus says about the class. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Focus is great. Um, yeah, I have to, uh, very kind of Vanessa uh, to say, uh, Professor, it's really fun to get to uh, think so much about Star Wars and share our thoughts on Star Wars. Um, and I admit my first reaction was not super deep and philosophical. It was lightsaber training. <laughs> I would like to attend lightsaber training. I think lightsaber training is uh, philosophical. That great bit in Master and Apprentice, a great running bit uh, where Obi-Wan is frustrated and doesn't understand why Qui-Gon won't let him advance. And it's because Qui-Gon has a philosophical belief that uh, Jedi rush, rush past the basics and in order to stay alive, the basics. So lightsaber training would be great to see how much it is, how much philosophy it is, the fantasy of holding that lightsaber and actually being taught how to use it instead of just waving it around in a way that will immediately uh, cut my own hand off. That would be great. Um, I'm a big fan of a lot of the philosophy, uh, that is presented in star Wars through the Jedi. Some of it is really explicit. Some of it is subtle and you just kind of find it in bits and pieces in the Clone Wars animated series or rebels or different books, really digging into what Lucas said or, or interviews with Lucas. But 
one of the ideas that I really, really like is this idea that the Jedi are seeking balance in many ways, but in particular, this balance of knowing what you know, but also questioning what you know. And it's a philosophy that, you know, like so many things in Star Wars, it is pulled from many real world philosophies. But I really like that idea that you go through life and you learn things and you must have the wisdom and the strength to go. I learned that lesson. I think it is a lesson that is sort of unmoored for unmoored from time. It is it is true to humans. It is true to myself. And so here it is in my collection of things that I have learned and I should remember. But I must also question things. So always being willing to like pull out this uh, collection of here are the seven wisdoms that I feel are true, fundamentally true. But in order for them to still have value, I must always question them and always be open to the new and still trying to decide, you know, just because you question an old fundamental truth doesn't mean that you're going to always decide, yeah, throw that one out. But you got to be opening to questioning it. And how the Jedi would teach that, because it also just goes to, Yoda's, you know, 900 years old by the prequels, and and he has, uh, uh, you know, a bunch of fundamental truths. But he's still always saying, like, but look at how beautiful the mind of a child is, because they look at things in a different way, and they Mm -hmm. look at things in ways that we don't when we get too rigid. And it it goes to the story of the Jedi's uh, rigidity. So I would love that if they just have a sort of, like, how to cling to knowledge while also being open to throwing it out 101. That's great. No, that's great. And then the class ends and you walk out and I'm like, hey, let's go get a beer down at the <laughs> you know, Dexter's. Uh, no, it'd be great. No, that's great stuff. Um, there's there's so much. We always joke about the Harry Potter in Star Wars type of uh, Jedi s- story. A lot of people ask that and everything. There, there, there's something to that uh, if you could really spend some time uh, learning this stuff. I don't necessarily think I, I go around wanting and, and needing all those answers, but I think there's some storytelling there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And it's all just a great fun stuff that can let you into the Star Wars story in a different way. So I would love to take a class in the Jedi Temple. Love it. Yeah. Right. And I would absolutely go to uh, Dexter Jetsters for a beer because that's uh, that's one of my fundamental truths that it is fun <laughs> to get beers after class with friends. Uh, we're going to move on to our next question from Sith Fisto. Another great name. Uh, Sith says, channeling your best Chazna Chattic, what music in-universe or the real world would you listen to flying in a dogfight? I think the easy answer for the in-universe music would be a playlist of just Jedi rocks. Wow, powerful. It is hard to know. Sith Fisto is one of the, uh, I think, relatively small number of Star Wars fans who legitimately loves Jedi Rocks. Or if he's having some fun, he or she is having some fun. I don't know uh, Sith Fisto's uh, gender. Um, so, Ken, how do you feel about this? It's great in uh, Alphabet Squadron, Chasna Chattic in her B-Wing, listening to music as she flies around. What would you listen to? See, in, 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 in universe music is a little... Not that there's not a lot of choices. There's definitely been some some choices presented to us, but it, it'd be you know you, you know Lulu Lulu Primak and figuring Dan and all that kind of stuff. Some some size noodles would be great. I, I'd want some lapty neck playing, but I just I just feel like I don't have the right answer because I don't know the galaxy's full playlist yet. I, w- <laughs> I would love a Star Wars universe Spotify playlist. But I'm a big music fan. You are too, uh, Joseph. Uh, and you and I have uh, a lot of different tastes all over uh, the music, um, the music, uh, rock world, classical world, whatever it may be. So for me, if I'm in a, if I'm in a Y-Wing, 
and you know what I was thinking? I, you could literally test this out with squadrons, right? You could just make a playlist and put it in your headphones. <laughs> I might do this. Uh, I like a lot. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a British rock fan from a lot of different eras. So, you know, a big Oasis fan, their, their, their music for Saturday night and fighting. So that might work, uh, the jam back in the day, but then going to, to Minnesota, your neck of the woods there, Joseph, the replacements, the mats, such a huge fan of some of, uh, give me some of Westerberg's attitude. Then maybe down to Detroit with Mooney Suzuki in the early two thousands, garage, ba- uh, garage band revival, some kind of, uh, I like my jingly jangly guitars, but I don't like them too heavy. I like some rhythm. I like some melody, but I like some attitude. So I'm gonna I'm gonna form this playlist and I'm gonna I'm gonna try this on Star Wars Squadron <laughs> and uh, see what works best. Yeah, sing along to 99% by Mooney Suzuki as I blow Tie Fighters out of the the space uh, skies. There, that'd be good. Yeah. Oh, that's a great list. Um. Yeah, I think uh for me in universe, I think the song that would have like the best mood for flying is is probably the Cantina song. I'm mad about me, right? Uh. I think that's the one that I would feel like oh, that's the right mix of like rhythm and melody and forward movement uh, of, of all the songs um, for real world songs. Uh, I'm a big Guns N' Roses fan. That is particularly if you've got a long drive uh, at night, <laughs> Guns N' Roses is great mm. for that. Uh, I would happily listen to uh, Welcome to the Jungle uh, or Chinese Democracy. Yes, uh, I am one of those fans who does enjoy that later <laughs> Guns N' Roses album. Shocking. I know. It's not enough to have shocking Star Wars opinions. I have to have shocking Guns N' Roses opinions, too. Um, also a big fan of, uh, you know, uh, Tin Pan Alley jazz. Uh, it gets called easy listening sometimes, which does not work for me that it's called easy listening, but it does. Uh, but in particular, um, a big fan of Frank Sinatra, but also really enjoy Ella Fitzgerald. And I was listening to one of her albums uh, the other day that I haven't listened to in a long time. And I think Ella Fitzgerald would be really great for the way Chaz Nachatic describes trying to kind of get her flying in sync with the music because a ton of Ella Fitzgerald stuff is extremely upbeat jazz and she really plays uh, with the with the the melody and a lot of scatting and it's exactly that kind of like I need to be you know flying forward fast with energy but also like really adaptable and fast and I think uh, the right Ella Fitzgerald album would be great for that uh, and then the final one. Uh, I was with a storytelling group for a long time where we would put on about an hour long storytelling show and we tell 10 minute stories and uh, we would each have intro music that we played every time. And the song that I picked is the song Comfort Eagle by Cake because uh, it's the uh, the art of picking music for walkout music, as you know really well from Schmodown and Wrestling Ken, is always you got to if you're just giving somebody a track and it starts right away, you can't have a 30 second slow buildup. It's got to be a jam right away when mm-hmm. you hit play and comfort eagle is a jam right away and it's got this like forward energy like we're coming and we're gonna have fun damn it this is great by the way sith vista this is great because as as i'm and you you put some great choices like have an elephant's gerald and just have that like fighting you're flying it's violent and you have kind of a different vibe you know and the, and the, and the two vibes kind of come together maybe it calms you maybe it centers you like i like they just talked about the momentum or you could just go straight to uh, actually November rain would take you on a long journey, <laughs> real long journey, real long journey. I'm thinking, yeah. I want uh, supernova by Liz fair. I want the Donna's maybe the black bells. <laughs> I I might even, you know, I, I will, we'll talk about this off air. Joseph, I'm suggesting that we could put together Spotify playlists uh, and make them private and then put them in our four center uh, Patreon page. And, and you all <laughs> get to hear what we'd fly around fighting in. 
uh, we might do that as an exclusive because that uh, I do that on my knapsack files when I do have a monthly playlist that uh, I do a little radio show for my Patreon supporters. But uh, this this is this is a great question. This, I, I wrote some, down some answers and I and more pouring into my mind. So well, you are a natural born DJ, right? I mean, that's a part of your your life history. Yeah, yeah, yes, natural born. Yeah. A natural born DJ, not too far from natural born killers. Yes, um, <laughs> in that era, great stuff. All yeah, right. love. Yeah, it. great uh, question, Sith Fisto. Thank you. We're going to move on to questions from our patrons on Patreon. First one comes from Andrew McNabb. Andrew McNabb greets us by saying, "Bright suns." A question hey. for the news and cues. Here's the scenario. It's over, Anakin. I have the high ground. Anakin decides, "By golly, I do be- do believe he is right," and decides to float away down the lava river, broodingly, staring back at his master. Does Obi-Wan chase after his brother to continue the battle, or does the love he have for him prevent Obi-Wan from doing that? After all, he tells Anakin not to try it. Uh, thank you for becoming, for me, as enjoyable a part of being a Star Wars fan as anything else, uh, except perhaps my Max Rebo musical plush. Nothing touches that. Be safe. Uh, thank you very much, Andrew, for the kind words, the great question, and for letting me know you have a Max Rebo musical plush. That's amazing. Uh awesome. Ken, what, what are your thoughts on this? Uh, do you uh, think that if Anakin had not tried it, Obi-Wan would have pursued? First of all, this has just become now one of my favorite Star Wars comedy scenes. Uh, it's almost like a Christopher Guest movie or a British <laughs> office. It's like, don't try it, Anakin. Okay. And he just floats away. And Obi-Wan, <laughs> oh, oh, no, wait, I have a job to do. And so that gets me to maybe my more serious answer is he has a job to do, right? I mean, mm-hmm. he, he wasn't sent there to lightly convince Anakin to consider not doing what he's doing. <laughs> he's sent there to destroy him or kill him or stop him or something. So I think Obi-Wan would have to be like, oh, Carabast, I got to go get him. Uh, and he, the the great emotional scene, and Andrew's mentioning it there, of just like, I don't want to do it. I, I This is really tough, but he's going to do it. The You know, him walking away and leaving him burning is also a fun conversation to have about what uh, maybe Obi-Wan should have done or what, what mercy was there, but what, which is what will be in the Kenobi series. We assume an entire episode of episode three, I should have stabbed him in the head. <laughs> right <on> the head. <laughs> I think that's episode one myself, but yeah. One, yeah. Um, so other than this being really funny, Andrew, I, I think, I think you'd have to, right? Joseph, he has to, you know, Kenobi he's your buddy. He's got to go do his job. I don't think he does it. Yeah. Yeah. No. I mean, I think uh, that, you know, he d- he does say, I will do what I must. Uh, mm-hmm. And he, you know, underlining on must, leading to that great Anakin uh, line of you will try. Uh, mm-hmm. but that is only really after seeing for himself. He saw those hollow vids. And even after that, he he's telling Obi-Wan or he's telling Yoda. Obi-Wan is telling Yoda, I can't I can't do it. Um, and then he, he follows Padme. He sees the horror of Anakin uh, choking her. He gets that confirmation that uh, that Anakin is not open to new ideas, not open to any other perspective. Uh, you're with me or you're my enemy. Uh, and that's like, all right, well, I'll do what I must. But I don't think Obi-Wan's heart has ever been in this. Um, I think for me, I, my Obi-Wan headcanon is he's Obi-Wan is looking for any excuse to walk away. Um, that that he is a person of duty and he knows Anakin must be stopped, but he's looking for any reason to not personally just brutally kill him. And I think he cuts the, the limbs off to stop the fight be, because he's given his Jedi warning of don't try it. Anakin's mm-hmm. not going to stop. He's consumed. He's uh, limbless and burning up. And I think 
there's a part of Obi-Wan that knows he should make that mercy strike and end it all the way. And it's just close enough to assume the job is done and I'm going to go. I feel like if Anakin stopped fighting, I think that Obi-Wan would be able to give himself the out of, well, he stopped himself now. And once a Sith gets going, they normally never stop. Uh, they'll run away, uh, you know, to survive another day. But if Anakin stops fighting and just floats away, I think that would uh, trigger in Obi-Wan a little bit of hope. And I think another part of this that I think about in Obi-Wan's mind is uh, I think Obi-Wan does put defense first. And I think he's looking for any way to not have to, you know, make that killing stroke. And I think Obi-Wan saying, I, I got to go get to Padme and make sure she's safe and get her out of here. And I think that that could, on one hand, be a valid choice for Obi-Wan and mm. at the same time, be a way out. It's like, he stopped fighting. He'll need to be dealt with eventually. But right now, I, I need to put defense first. I don't know if he's heading back to Padme. She needs to be out of danger. It's more, he could tell himself, he could go and tell Yoda, like, I had to get Padme out of there. So I had to let him go. Mm. This is this is great. This is this is why you you know Kenobi so well. I can, I can see all this. And then to have a cutting back forth uh, running to Padme race <laughs> between the two of them uh, and you know with 3PO and Artie over there to help so yeah no that that does uh, that makes sense I mean this is this is tough Kenobi's in a tough spot here they, they put him in a they've put him in a very tough spot so uh, taking the out uh, I don't mean, I know you don't mean that in a bad way either but just like not like a well there you go but just like okay he's not fighting me I like that okay you may have convinced me yeah, yeah, and who knows? Who knows? Uh, I got my head cannon about Obi Wan from the uh, all of the evidence out there of who he is, but who knows? Uh, I I got to be open to being wrong about Obi Wan too. So who knows? Maybe you're right. Maybe he would have been committed to that point of like it's sad, but he's got to go. <laughs> got to go, and that's the best way to protect Padme. So I got to go jump on that little uh, floating lava thing and keep fighting. The chase continues. The chase, the continues. chase continues. We are on to our last question. In the grand tradition of uh, questions from our Patreon listeners, uh, this is sharing the the uh, patron's perspective as well. Lovely question in fun essay form. So here we go. Mm -hmm. uh, it is from Andrew Casasa. Uh, hello there, Force Center crew. As someone who is a prequel baby but was drawn in by the creature design and bounty hunters, I'm looking at you, Bosk. I have always had such excitement for new Star Wars content because it meant getting to see new and familiar aliens creatures. I have also always enjoyed how Dave Filoni and the creative team behind Clone Wars and Rebels put familiar species into new jobs roles we wouldn't necessarily think of them doing. So with that said, I have a fun hypothetical scenario that I think can be fun for all fans. You're eating your 7-Eleven breakfast sandwich when suddenly you get a phone call from Jon Favreau and Dave Filoni. They tell you that there is an upcoming episode in The Mandalorian where Mando has to recruit a bounty hunter for a job and you, yes you, get to pick any species race from Star Wars canon or legends to be this particular bounty hunter. What species would you want to see in a bounty hunter role? Andrew uh, uh, provides his answer as well. He says, my number one answer, and this is not a joke, is a Gungan bounty hunter. Do not generalize Jar Jar's goofy but lovable personality as the personality of all Gungans, for they are fierce warriors. In all seriousness, I do wish we could have gotten more Gungan exposure since the prequels, and I can think of no better way than to change the narrative on Gungans than by introducing a cool and badass Gungan bounty hunter. 
I think the story potential of the galaxy treating Gungans is lesser than since episode three, because Jar Jar, a Gungan, unknowingly helped give power to the Empire, could make for an interesting Gungan character. I would love a deep dive into another Gungan and their thoughts on other Gungans, Naboo, the state of the galaxy, and Jar Jar. Thank you for taking my question. And lastly, Misa coming for that bounty. Great question and great answer. Ken, first, I just want to ask you about Andrew's answer. Would you be excited for a Gungan bounty hunter, a different Gungan perspective? I absolutely would. Here's why. Exactly what Andrew's talking about. Of just like, let's let's put the Gungans back into Star Wars front and center in a different way and make you change your mind about them. We've Daniel Jose Older did that uh, a little bit. He also did it with, with Peekba, uh, the, the Ewok in, in the la- in last shot. So building that kind of concept, like right, Joseph, it could really work. Like, oh, you 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 think Gungans are to be, you know, you even got, uh, you know, you making fun of them uh, there, Bill Burr in episode six there. You're like, come on, here's here's what you got. Here's something different. And this this Gungan is pissed off uh, <laughs> by the lights in the galaxy. And they are great warriors and they're fierce warriors and they're loyal loyal warriors and brave warriors. But now they're coming for you. I, I, that that could really immediately just turn the tails on what people in general think about Gungans or Jar Jar. You know, people still struggle with it. I understand why we, we kind of got to a spot where we just absolutely love Jar Jar Pinks. I'm at best and what the Gungans can represent. So this is interesting. I would really be behind this almost to the point of give it to me. Yeah, no, I would love it. I, I would love if it was a Gungan who had no connection to uh, the past. I think I great uh, that you brought up last shot. I believe that Gungan says, you know, we don't always, we don't all talk like that. Uh, kind of a yeah. meta joke about Jar Jar. Uh, but it'd be great to just have a brand new uh, Gungan uh, grizzled bounty hunter. But I'd also love it if it was like Kid Nass, <laughs> Boss Nass's child who, <laughs> who went dark, went the wrong way, took the wrong path. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, that's... <laughs> That's really great. Yeah, no, that uh, it could really work. Yeah, it, it could really work. There could be there could be a lot. And think of think of the catchphrases like you know, there's always a bigger fish, and it just like it walks right into the scene and gets you. <laughs> you got away from like another bounty hunter. Yeah, yeah, Misa like this, bang, bang, bang. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And as far as like any like in a specific character, I, I do like black Chrysanthemum, uh, the Wookiee bounty hunter This first introduced in the comics. We hear him uh, roaring all through the Dr. Afra audio uh, book or audio presentation. Um, seeing black Chrysanthemum in uh, live action is something that I, I, I would love or another kind of Wookiee in a, you know, not quite a Chewbacca, good, loyal, best friend role, but something different. You know, we got yeah. Tarful and all that kind of stuff, but just, that could work for me too. I, you know, an Ewok one would border an Ewok bounty hunter would border on uh, not silly, but just like uh, maybe a tougher leap for a lot of folks. But you know, Pequa set the tone of just post the fall of the Empire and and the Ewoks getting more you know involved in the galaxy. What's to say one doesn't kind of get sick of uh, walking around the forest and want to go chase some fortune? <laughs> all about. But it, 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 to me, to me, this and I love Ewoks. It would be a larger leap to make than the Gungans. Yeah, I think there's something about the spirit of the Ewoks, uh, you know, and, and that, that's the whole thing is like, obviously, any any group of uh, of characters in Star Wars can contain multitudes. So there could be an Ewok bounty hunter. But I liked it so far. They're like, uh, you know, man, we're we uh, we're computer hackers and therapy Ewoks so far. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so things got to go rough to get get an Ewok bounty hunter. I think for me, for other species, I love Chadrafan uh, characters and there have been a lot of them in the book. So I think uh, I'm not alone in that, but that would be fun to see you know, this uh, shorter, you know, more diminutive uh, species. 
uh, kicking butt would be great. Um, in terms of casting a species in just an incredibly different light by having them be bounty hunters, the other two uh, that jumped out at me is a uh, Kaminoan or Kaminoan, depending on your preference of pronouncing it. Uh, I just I suddenly pictured like you know uh, uh, a Camino resident uh, just loaded down with weapons, maybe an eye patch, and just head button people with that long neck. <laughs> Love smack. Um, and the other one is a Toydarian. Because I think a Toydarian could actually be Ooh. terrifying. You know, swooping in from, you know, surprise angles uh, with a blaster. Well, yeah, especially after seeing, you know, the uh, the, the Clone Wars stuff uh, and, and, and the actual society and how it functions a little bit. Yeah, yeah, uh, that would be that would be good. Yeah, King Katunko there with the he's got the mm-hmm. sword, right? Yeah. And yeah. uh yeah, Toy Darian who's like, Yeah, I don't I don't hold with my people and all this honor BS. Let's let's go. Yeah. Totally. Mm. Yeah. So yeah. many great options. And I think that's what's great about all the content that's coming with uh with Disney Plus and with the people who have grown up with Star Wars at this point, you know, grown up with the prequels, that there's a lot of people I think very much like Andrew who asked this great question who are hungry to see things from their childhood in a new and different light. And I think we're going to start uh, seeing that in all these Disney plus shows. Yeah. There's a lot of potential for that. I'm, I'm really, uh, that's, yeah. That, that, that Gungan one really works for me. Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, yeah, I think I'm going to agree with Andrew's answer to his own question. So well asked, yeah. well answered, Andrew. Uh, thanks to this Andrew, the other Andrew Sith Fisto and Vanessa Fontaine for all those great questions. That's it for our questions again. That's it for those questions and this episode. Big look at the news. Mandalorian, I'm sure more will be on the way. If you want to follow us or join the conversation, you can do so by going to Twitter and Force Center Pod. Use the hashtag Force Center. Facebook page is Force Center Podcast. We're on Instagram and YouTube podcasts available in a lot of different spots, including Anchor, iHeartRadio, uh, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and more. You can get some merch at uh, tpublic.com slash user slash Force Center. Go to patreon.com slash force center if you want to support. And we'll talk about maybe getting that Spotify playlist up there. What do you want to take the galaxy down with music wise? We'll we'll get that up there. Uh, we got our own stuff as well. Again, thanks to everyone who supported the Riley's Cantina live. Uh, you can go to kennapsock.com for information and all the things I do or follow me at Ken Napsock. Got my podcast, The Napsock Files, and uh, my show we do on Saturday nights called Saturday Night Napsock, different kind of uh, show been having a lot of fun doing so check it out we also are highlighting uh charities and things that uh mean something to us that are outside the realm of star wars i am a uh a bone marrow donor for be the match and i always want to highlight that it's very important so go to be the match.org and sign up it's real easy uh to uh you know uh, get tested, get your you swab up and you know all the kind of thing. And then you're in a database and someone might need your bone marrow. And it is a, a life saving uh, decision that you uh, can make by becoming a bone marrow donor. Go to be the match.org or go to kenapsack.com to the charity spotlight tab where you can find out more. Joseph. Yeah. You can find me Twitter and Instagram at Joseph Scrimshaw. And you can go to my website, Joseph for all of my other comedy adventures of all kinds. And for the thing that I want to highlight, this is the last time I'll be highlighting this, but there's an organization called Vote Forward. Uh, You print out letters and then you write a personal message about why you vote to help encourage uh, your fellow citizens to use their power, however they choose fit, to be a part of, uh, of making decisions about the future. 
and voting. I've been writing a lot of those letters and it has been uh, really great fun, actually. It's been it's felt really great. Uh, those letters are all being sent uh, this coming Saturday, October 17th. So as this is broadcast, this is your last uh, opportunity to sign up to write a few letters. And if you are interested in checking that out, you can go to their website. It is votefwd.org. Do that. I got my ballot uh, he- here today. Arrived at the house actually over the over the weekend, so uh, going to be doing that. Vote and vote, everybody. Get involved. Thank you, Joseph, for that, and thank you to all of you for listening to our look at the Star Wars news. So for Baby Yoda looking up at the camera like a French royalty, like a member of the French royalty. We'll see you next time here on Force Center. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.